hello to my chicken chasing brethren, our brothers in arms, and welcome to the Winner Winner Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Robin. I am the other one, Arjuna. And this week we are talking mostly about Shroud, who is my idol and hero, just like countless other gamers out there. I mean, aside from you, Arjuna. You're my number <laughs> one, man. But, Thanks, bro. Uh, when I'm All not right. watching you, dude, I'm watching Shroud. Yeah. And um, so we're going to go into some depth today talking about his uh, mechanics, watching, we watched one of his videos, we're going to tell you which one it is, and just kind of go through some lessons we feel like we've learned from him. And yeah, we're also going to talk about the Xbox patch notes that came out recently, a really big one. So finally, something big and juicy for Xbox players out there. I know they've been waiting forever um, for that. Yeah, literally forever. <laughs> that sounds great, man. First, I'll just give a few Patreon shout outs to Tom and Andrew. Thank you guys so much yes, for thanks, guys. becoming new patrons. If you guys had been hot out of the gate, you could have asked a Patreon question of the week, but there weren't any Patreon questions of the week this week. So if anyone of you patrons wants to ask a question, you can put it right here. Yeah. Ask some more questions, guys. We love answering those. Usually we end up spending more time than we should on them, <laughs> probably. <minutes. laughs> exactly. So if you want this show to be 20 minutes longer, ask a question of the week. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Pro tip. So, Robin, let's just dive straight into this sexy, juicy, awesome, gigantic patch that just dropped for the Xbox. Yes, I'm glad yeah. you brought it up. I didn't even know it came out, honestly, until you told me before the show. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really stoked for these guys after looking through the notes a little bit. Totally. Yeah, this one's a doozy. Yeah, what first sticks out to you about it? So the first big thing is that Miramar is being pushed to the live servers. This is basically, I think, the Xbox's version of like the PC 1.0 patch mm. that came out for us around the new year mm -hmm. last year. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's different. They have, it's, it's a more updated version of the game than we got, but um, I, I think it's kind of the same order of magnitude. So... It's it, to me, it really feels like a flagship patch, and I'm, you know, personally, I, I think it's really exciting. Mm -hmm. So, right off the bat, um, some of our Xbox players in the Discord have been saying that it's a bit of a shame that it's this particular version of the test server that's being pushed live because they were saying that it's actually been performing kind of poorly. Mm. So, and I think that that's. Uh, they're speaking more specifically about Miramar. It sounds like Erangel is performing pretty well these days, so uh, or at least better. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like the current version of Miramar is actually performing maybe a little worse than mm. it had been in the past. Hopefully that clears up when they actually push it to the, the live game. Right, right. But, you know, it's it kind of reminds me of of Miramar when it was pushed live on the PC. I think we had some of the same issues, you know? They it seems like like two steps forward, one step back with mm -hmm. the patching process. Definitely. Yeah, I don't know. What what stands out to you, Robin? Oh, well, I just looked through a little bit of it. And one thing I noticed, uh, it just listed everything that I'm used to seeing on PC. But I did yeah. notice when it listed the vehicles that they don't have the Murado. Yeah. Which is no. the coolest car in the game. No Murado yet. It's so fun. It is a lot of fun. But yeah. we won't talk about what you guys didn't get in this patch. <laughs> I know, I know. Way to be Sorry. a Debbie Downer, Robin. 
<laughs> you guys yeah. still get the bus uh, <laughs> and the truck the truck is actually legit yeah. you guys should use the truck yeah the truck is legit um, for sure. the bus is good cover if you're running by it mm-hmm. yeah yeah it blows up a little less quickly than some of the other vehicles so that's a plus mm. Yeah, let's talk about some of the cool stuff they did in this patch, though. So it sounds like they've been changing the way that things load mm. on the Xbox. And so they're trying to avoid people getting caught in stuff as they load in. They're calling it a highly predictive-based loading system. So hopefully that's true. Mm. I, I know that's been an issue on the Xbox for a long time. Looks like they've also continued optimization and stabilization. And like I said before, it seems like Arangol's kind of got the better end of that deal so far. Um, you know, there's a list of things that are ostensibly optimized, but mm-hmm. kind of like we'll, we'll believe it when we really see it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Right. Uh, you guys got emotes? Woo! So those are fun. I was just reflecting on those. I never use them because you have to sit still to use them. Yeah. So <laughs> which makes you just a sitting duck. But um, yeah, I also wonder. You know, it's just one more action on an Xbox controller. I wonder how they're going to do the key binding on it. Mm, if that right. works well for players, but yep, yep. I never use them. I would use them if I could use them while running. Yeah, because it's just torso gestures anyway, typically, right? Like mm-hmm. your head and your arms are doing things. Maybe you're mm-hmm. like bending a little, but anyway. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's mm-hmm. it's like lobby candy, basically. Uh, you know, and it's a shame that you can't do like a signature emote when you win the game as well. Ooh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it would be cool if you could just set like a default emote, which was like your emote that would play when you won. Yeah, I wish there was a bunch of them that we could buy. Um, oh, there's they just don't. Go. There's not enough things I can spend my money on in this game. Nope. Nope. There sure aren't. Mm-mm. Yeah, I want like a worm emote so you can do the worm. <laughs> oh dude yeah prone emotes oh dude it'd be yeah. great yeah that would be so good if they changed depending on what position yeah you're if you're in. like crouched you can do that dance where you like kick one leg out at a time <laughs> the russian dance yeah. <laughs> oh dude uh. so- solid ideas on the winner winner pubg mm-hmm. podcast here tonight <laughs> yeah all right it looks like uh the scopes have been changed to be more realistic the bigger scopes change that um, hit the PC a few months back. Okay, I didn't know they didn't have this yet. So generally, there's more view area in the scopes and less body. Um, right. So there's less of a thick black donut around the view of the scope. Um, yeah. A lot thinner and easier to see. So that's a that's a really big one. You guys yeah. will enjoy that. Yeah, it's it's huge. I You know, that's true, dude. I also thought that these had already been added. So, you know, in this... Yeah, it's current... like us thinking about Christmas last year like uh, yeah this is interesting i know this was posted 18 hours ago as of our recording but mm -hmm. i I do seem to recall xbox players already talking about this stuff so maybe it was just that it was all on the test server right that's i think that's what's going on here yeah Yeah. they've also done a uh they've implemented the grenade knockback change that we recently saw on the pc so that's kind of a more recent change that they've pushed to the xbox which is cool so it's, you know, like on the recent PC patch, the grenade's not going to throw you about like a rag doll until you're actually dead. Mm-hmm. So I like that change. That's, well, yeah. I do and I don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like that change when someone's nading me. I don't like it when I'm nading someone. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they're still just as lethal, I believe, in yeah. a way. 
Um, did they up the? I think they upped the like base damage, but you no longer get damage from being thrown around. Right. Basically. Exactly. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I, I wonder what the overall calculus is of the damage there. You know, mm-hmm. like whether it's like pound for pound, more or less damaging. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they used to really fling you, which I thought yeah, was fun. Yeah. You know, if you're right by it, and somehow you didn't die, so I would see people get thrown like ten, fifteen feet. Yeah. Which is nuts. Or like well, off of buildings is the best. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> One of the things I'm worried about with this change is that you won't be able to do like a like a soft car flip with a nade, which was a skill that I had perfected. I would like to think mm. where you would chuck the nade like a very strategic, maybe like 10, 12, 15 feet away from the car, mm-hmm. and the explosion would be just enough to right it, but it would do almost no damage to it. Mm-hmm. So this was something I was really proud of that I had worked out, and I haven't tried it. I haven't either, actually. I just realized I haven't been flipping cars enough to Mm -hmm. need it, but... Yeah, so that's something to experiment with and and see. It's really, if it still works, it's the most satisfying thing ever when you get it just right. Mm -hmm. And just so you guys know, what Arjuna's saying... And I didn't know that you could do this. I knew you could flip cars with grenades, but the way that Arjuna does it is he throws it like 20 feet away. Like when I first saw him do this, I was like, there's no way that grenade's going to flip that car, dude. What are you doing? And then it would just like barely nudge the car and the car would just slowly flip back over. And, it was genius. Yep. So <laughs> next time you flip a car with grenade, be kind of conservative, I guess, about uh, how far you throw it away. Or maybe that's liberal. Be liberal. With your grenade distance, yes. Yeah, be whichever side of the spectrum you happen to be on. Like, be that, but just make sure the grenade is far from the car. (laughs) (laughs) Precision. That's what we work on. Mm -hmm. Winner, winner podcast here. Okay. So yeah, there's there's a bunch of stuff in these patch notes, and we're not going to read through them all. I think this is a lot of this feels like cumulative test server stuff that you guys are already familiar with. But, you know, it's it's a big moment for the Xbox. So I'm really excited for you guys. And I think we can finally officially welcome you to the Miramar fold with the rest of your brethren. <laughs> so welcome. Champagne quirks of fire. <laughs> let's, yeah, Robin, let's get out that bottle of Cristal that we bought with our Patreon money. <laughs> Is that fancy champagne? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's like that's like the rapper's top shelf. Oh, rapper's top shelf. Yeah, exactly. Damn. Yeah, people brush their teeth with it and shit. So moving on to our main topic today, we are going to be talking about the awesome things that Shroud does. So... You know, shout out to Shroud. I feel like he's kind of the commonly acknowledged king of PUBG. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anyone better than him. You know what's funny is right after we announced that we were going to cover this last week, uh, one of the first things I saw in my Google news feed was some like news story about Shroud being accused of cheating. Oh, yeah. And it was like high profile. I don't know why this was a high profile story, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched the, the video of this guy blabbering about Shroud and, and the possibility that he's cheating. And he's like, oh, he's like snapping to people. And, um, 
I think that was his main argument was basically he's really fast. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I've watched a lot of Shroud and it's very easy. He has a lot of good plays where he does this. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of plays that he has where he's, he tries to aim quickly and misses too. Oh, totally. Right? And you can easily cherry pick the ones where he's spot on. Right. And that's one of the reasons that he's so impressive to watch um, is that he does pull it off fairly often. Yeah. Um, if he was pulling it off every time, I think it would be fairly obvious that he was cheating. But right. um, he, he pulls it off with enough consistency to be respected and yeah. awesome, but not to be, in my opinion, suspect. No. So this comes up a lot. Like when you watch any truly talented streamer play, um, there's going to be accusations of them cheating mm-hmm. because they'll do improbable things. Mm-hmm. Right. But with Shroud in particular, it's always been so clear to me that he is not cheating. Mm-hmm. And it's a combination of like, yeah, he, he'll he totally whiff sometimes. Um, the video that we're about to talk you through, he has like a number of whiffs. Like he actually misses quite a lot in the video mm-hmm. and actually misses some shots that you feel like, come on, Shroud, you probably should have landed that. Mm-hmm. But also just, I, I don't know, it's it's... It's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is, but there's just a very tangible, like when I watch him play, I really see the skill. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't look to me like, oh, he just, you know, pointed and clicked and yeah. the guy died. I think I think whoever made this video is a great example of what not, of what Fran would tell you not to do, which is <laughs> being a bitch and complaining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. This, quit, quit being a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, either this guy's either doing it because he's a complaining bitch or because he wants attention, right? right. And he's he's trying to whip up conspiracy yeah. theories for people to watch, which in my yeah. case worked because I did watch it. <laughs> um, but I don't even remember this guy's name. I'm not promoting this video. Whatever. I just wanted to address that since we're talking about Shroud. Yeah, definitely. Just Just one other note about Shroud. I think something that sets him apart from a lot of other streamers is that he has competed on the highest level in CSGO. You know, he's played like zillions of LAN tournaments. You know, he's he's proven his worth in highly controlled tournament environments, right? Mm-hmm. So whereas, you know, you might look at so-and-so streamer X, Y, and Z who never seems to get out and they only play the PC from the comfort of their own home and you might wonder, does that skill translate? Mm-hmm. Well, with Shroud, it absolutely does. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy's, you know, like, he's a ledge. And and furthermore, you know, a lot of people will say he's not even at the top of the CSGO game, right? So, like, there are, you know, there are people playing competitively who have, like, faster reflexes than he does, you know, who pull off even more impressive plays than he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of thing's happening all the time in the CSGO pro scene. So it's really just, like, when you start to put it into context it becomes clear that, guys, he's not cheating. He's just really good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the whole point of this episode is to make us a little bit more like Shroud. <laughs> <laughs> we want to be really good, too. That's why we watch him. Um, it's also just satisfying to watch someone play who's really good. Yes. It's, it's very gratifying. Yeah. And so I just wanted to express a caveat since, you know, I, I mean, the guarantee of, of a six-week course that I'm offering you guys for only $5,000, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I can imagine, you know, giving kind of a guarantee that we can make you guys as good as, as Shroud, and of course we can't. Um, no. And I don't, that's not exactly the point of this. Of course, I would love to be able to do that, um, but 
I think at the end of the day, even if I played as much as him, I probably wouldn't be as good as him. Um, mm. I almost guarantee it. Mm. I can tell by the way that he plays that he, his clock speed, if you will, like the the, the rate of his processor in terms of his ability to perceive mm. and react to information is extremely fast. Yeah, and that comes through in in, the, in his reactions, and that also comes through in the way that he talks that I've noticed, mm. um, and and his ability to, to express things very quickly. And so there's just things going on with him. He's probably going to be better than, you know, most people, no matter what most people do. Okay. Right. <laughs> but we wouldn't be covering him if we didn't think there was still something we could learn. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. Let's do it. If you feel like it, as you're listening along, you could even watch this video if you wanted. But we've tried to present this in a way where you don't have to. Mm-hmm. But we are including a link to the specific video that we referenced for this in the show notes. And just to read you the name of it, uh, if for some reason you can't access the show notes, the video's name is Shroud Solo PUBG in parentheses Game 2, 20th Feb, as in February. So, and again, link in the show notes so you can pull that up anytime. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's dive into it. Um, Shroud lands at one of his favorite places on Miramar, which is Picado, mm-hmm. and proceeds to just give like an absolute clinic in how to fuck up Picado. <laughs> so he's, Shroud is actually very like you, Robin, in that he really likes the casino. Yeah, I noticed that. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like Score. one of his favorite drop spots. Score one for casino. Mm-hmm. So we'll take it chronologically. The very first thing that stood out to me about this was that someone landed on the roof before him. And he just jumps right into the casino. He doesn't try to fuck with this guy who landed before. Yeah, the hole in the middle of the roof. He just goes straight through it. Right. Yep. And so, you know, what he's trying to do is just, like, get a better position and get a gun and not try to find a gun on the roof while this other guy's, you know, picking him off. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Even though he was, like, not even a full second behind this guy. And the way that Shroud loots, he probably still would have gotten his weapon faster. (laughs) Maybe. However... You know, he just could get out of the way and go loot inside. So that's what he did. Right. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that, like, just, like, right from the get-go, he, like, hits the ground in the casino, he runs upstairs, he gets a gun, and he's already checking his angles to see if someone else came in the building. Mm -hmm. So I've noticed this about him, that, like, his, his vigilance level just never seems to drop. I feel like he, and this is one of the biggest points that I've learned from my many hours of playing PUBG, is that it's like in that one second where you think no one's going to be, or in that last house that you run into that you thought was empty, mm-hmm. like where you're going to get capped in this game. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like he doesn't, he doesn't seem to ever allow that to happen. Now, one of the reasons is probably just because he has a zillion stream snipers. So he's used to the beginning of most of his games just being like, killing about 10 people who are coming right for him mm-hmm. um but I, I think there's still a lot to learn from that yeah so let's let's talk about the way he moves through this casino a little bit and some of the decisions he makes early on one thing i noticed is he likes this room in the northeast corner of the second floor mm. which has this kind of blown out wall and it's a kind of a dark room so it's actually a perfect uh vantage for a sniper um mm. Yeah, maybe one disadvantage is it doesn't have a windowsill, but it's such a wide opening that he's kind of strafing back and forth 
and exposing himself to different uh, parts of the map just north of him, which is basically the main street and the apartments and some other small buildings. And he's got like three people and three different buildings north of him who he's, he's keeping tabs on and, and flinging shots at. And he hasn't really like killed, doesn't really kill anyone at first. Um, and then he notices someone in his building. He takes this really cool ledge that you pointed out, Arjuna, um, along the northern wall of the lobby, which you can jump out of the second floor window into the inside of the building. And he ends up on this ledge and gets this cool angle um, behind a guy from up there. And I really like the way it, it, it kind of makes me miss targeting because I actually turned off targeting on my controls because I like to hold aim down sight. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and I haven't found another useful keybind for it. And so he takes a car 98 shot at this guy in the back and misses, switches to his pistol seamlessly. And from 40 or 50 feet behind him, he just targets the guy and unloads uh, the 1911 and takes him down. So yeah, spamming with and targeting with the pistol um, is pretty a, a cool technique. I haven't got to try a while, in a while um, because I'm always aiming down sight. But so right. yeah, that's a trick. I might have to switch my controls back just to take advantage of targeting more, which he uses a couple of times. Yeah, he video. does. I've noticed Shroud targets more than the average player I watch. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's very good at uh, one thing I've noticed about Shroud in general is that he's very good at fundamentals. And he he uses the he switches them seamlessly, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like he has this running catalog of like targeting is the best way to use the pistol, and ADS is the best way to use you know this weapon. Mm-hmm. He he seems to have this log of information about which guns perform well at what distance using which targeting method, mm-hmm. which is a little you know it's it's you're not necessarily going to set up a spreadsheet about it, but. But just actually noticing that, right. I think, really adds percentage points to your game. Right, definitely. And being ready in different circumstances to, to have one on the tip of your tongue, so to speak. Right. Um, so in that situation, the guy didn't have cover and was running away. Um, so aiming down sight has limited advantages there. Right. Um, if, you had, if the guy was behind cover, you'd want to aim down sight in order to get that um, accuracy bonus. But Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and then, um, you know, he, he goes back and basically through good aim and landing some shots, he, he takes out a couple of the guys north of the street. Uh, he, he ends up on the roof. He actually kind of makes a, a bad move by, you know, you, you made a note here about how he tries to heal on the roof, but then he starts taking fire. Yeah, I love this. So this is at minute five, if you guys watch. And yeah, so he's up on the roof. Uh, he takes a guy out in a window and then immediately starts taking a bandage. And he's just about to say, like, this is a bad idea. And I love <laughs> what happens next because what he does while he's bandaging is he just sets his gaze due north and watches all the buildings north of him. And after about not even a full second of doing that, you can watch his eyes and he's scanning back and forth uh, different windows and things to the north of him. And he notices someone way off to the right-hand side of his vision and so he does this really fast sequence of things. Um, first of all, he, like noticing and, and reacting quickly was the first thing he did right. And what he does to react is he cancels his med, crouches, and strafes while aiming, and then shoots the guy. He does this all in like less than a second, right? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that sequence, and right when he crouched, you hear the guy shoot. So this guy, and Shroud didn't get hit. So this guy probably had a headshot lined up. Mm. And Shroud just ducks it, strafes, and then nails him. So right. Um, for me, the, the takeaway here was if you're metting, especially in a vulnerable place, which he knew he was in, be on the ready to cancel the med and do something evasive and fight back. Um, mm. Don't just say, okay, I have five seconds to relax. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Get ready for that cancel and to be responsive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Learning that tension between hitting your meds versus needing to move and fight, is, it's a really core skill in this game. And again, I think he just demonstrates... Like you were saying, it's like he, before he's metting, he's probably thinking like, is this a good spot? What happens if this happens? What Mm -hmm. am I going to do? You know, he probably maybe has the reflexes to do all of those things anyway, but he's probably thinking about it, Mm -hmm. which allows it to happen much quicker, Mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. Yeah. So then again, he gets another sick angle in the casino by he jumps down into the middle, the pillar in the middle and looks kind of between this crack in the statue and just totally owns Wadu as he's running in. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. (sighs) And again, it's one of these things where you can talk about Shroud being like mechanically skillful at the game, Mm -hmm. but he also just, he finds angles that I think a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. Like, I think when he walks into an environment, he's thinking like, how can I position myself in an improbable way? Mm-hmm. Um, in an unexpected way to get someone. And that's a recurring theme. He gets a number of kills in this match by just being somewhere that someone didn't expect him to be. Mm-hmm. So the two kills that he gets inside the casino are really excellent examples of this. Mm-hmm. Okay, next next thing that happens is that uh, he hears some fighting over at the wrestling arena. Mm -hmm. And so around 7 minutes 40 seconds, he runs into the wrestling arena. And this fight really struck me Hmm. because a lot of the challenge of getting in a firefight in PUBG is deciding when to hold a position and when to move. Right. So what I love about this is he correctly identifies that people are on the other side of the arena and that they are kind of moving between the ground floor and the second floor. So he runs up the staircase and he doesn't leave the staircase because it gives him cover from the second floor and it also gives him a little bit of cover if someone tries to flank him like on the first floor through the hallway. So you notice that what he's doing is he's continually running up and down the staircase and he's really just doing a very good job of anticipating where people might come from and being ready for them. Mm. And then around 7.58, he actually does some baiting. He actually engages in some psychological warfare. He, He shoots some shots. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to convince the other players that he got in a tangle with someone else and he's trying to bait them into pushing him Mm -hmm. and some combination of what he's doing and what the other player is doing basically conspires to get one of the players to to charge him and he's able to take them out from the stairs and then he lands some excellent shots at eight minutes 20 seconds on the remaining guy 
And the way that he played this, I just it was just such a textbook play to me. I thought mm-hmm. it was brilliant. Is that he lands probably two headshots on this guy, and the person doesn't die. Right, because... and just to paint a picture here, he's still on the staircase. Yeah. So he's looking along a long wall in the arena at the, the staircase at the other end. And so they're both doing the exact same thing here. They're peeking each other at the top of these stairs that are opposite of each other. Right. He lands like two or three headshots on this guy who has a level three helmet. And, and then, yeah, take it from there, Arjuna. Yeah, so... So again, this is a very fundamental question to ask in the game is when's the right time to push? And the answer here is that Shroud perfectly identifies the right time to push. He's like, I just landed two headshots on this guy. He's going to be very low. And the two options here are if I rush him and he pops back out, I'm probably going to be able to land the final shot to kill him before he gets me. Or if I rush him and he hides, he's going to be busy medding. And it's going to give me the time that I need to take him out. So what he does is is he runs up the stairs and he takes the most obvious line of attack towards this guy. But then at the last second, he diverts, jumps into the middle of the arena and he runs through the door and he catches the person in the back coming down his staircase. Mm-hmm. And so essentially what he's done is he's intimidated the guy by damaging him. He's charged him, he's given him the information that he's coming straight at him, and then at the last moment, he comes around from behind and takes him out. Right. And it all happens quite quickly, but you can really see how from the very beginning of that fight to the very end, he's maintained the psychological advantage. You know, he's he's really leveraging the psychology of, this guy just took two shots to the head, he's scared, he's going to be hiding, he's going to be metting. You know, he's going to be looking in the direction I shot him from. I can come around behind him and take him out. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. I just thought that the way that he handled that encounter from start to finish was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, let's talk about this next point. So this next one, it looks like he... Oh, that's right. There's this... Basically, there's gunfire happening from the north side of town, and... He even mentions that he goes, you know, if this is a real fight, it's a really bad fight. Because <laughs> um, what you hear is you just hear like, ka, 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 like from an AK. And then you hear like, pum, 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 pum from an ump. And he's like, this is a stupid fight. What are these? Like, this is fake probably, or they're just really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he does this really great push into the house where essentially he's, it's one of these houses that are kind of long and Miramar. And it's got this, like, kitchen room. If you come in the front door, the kitchen's off to the left. And um, there's, like, a TV room or something at the other end and a stairway in the middle. I love the way that he peeks. Even the rooms that don't have in them or don't have people in them, the way that he moves around and checks them is just beautiful. Mm, mm -hmm. Where he'll strafe in and crouch at the same time and then kind of stand back up and walk out. And so he's kind of exposed as a standing target when he first would be visible to somebody in the room and then like instantly crouches and does this kind of like juke. And so he does that a little bit, gets up to the top of the stairs and at the top of the stairs, you're right in the middle. So there's a right turn and there's a left turn. Into the right turn, there's a room with a door and the door's open. To the left, there's a little bit more hallway and then another room. And he does this great move where he peeks really quick down the left just to see if someone's there and no one's there. So then he just turns right, shuts the door to the room on the right Mm. and then travels left to make sure that the room to the left is clear. Mm. And by this point- brilliant. He's pretty well figured out that 
this guy is in the room that he just closed the door to. And so he just opens the door, strafes in, and downs the guy in four bullets. And on the fourth bullet, he doesn't even wait to see if the guy's dead. He's just, like, turning, and he's out of the room, like, before the guy <laughs> hits the ground. Like... <laughs> <laughs> watching pros is really funny like that because they know exactly how many bullets it takes to kill somebody mm. and they know that they've landed like those many shots and they're mm. just like moving on with their lives be- before <laughs> the event is over um yeah yeah i love it how like they almost play too fast for the game it's like the mm-hmm. game is still catching up with them and trying to figure out whether they landed the kill you know? mm, exactly yeah. yes although i have noticed that this this <laughs> seems to routinely bite shroud in the ass where he's really confident that he killed someone mm. and he and he hasn't and then they they take him out so <laughs> that's just something funny to note you know and I, I i definitely think it's partially the game to blame because you know i, I think he has a pretty good idea of what should and shouldn't kill right people. well this is probably where we see what people have been talking about a lot recently which is damage being given to hands and arms mm, sure. um which is easy yeah. to do because you're your gun is held out in front of you. And so a lot of people, if you're shooting at someone straight in the middle of the torso and you're spraying, a lot of your hits are, are going to hit the hands and arms. Maybe not a lot, but it's, it's likely that a couple of them will. Yeah. Um, and so you're basically doing, you know, half damage during those hits. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's easy to miscalculate in this game and a spray, especially. Yeah. That's, so. that's a really excellent point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just would highly encourage everyone listening to just go to 940 in this video and just watch him clear this house. It's really like it's it's the most efficient and diligent like house clearing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And that closing of the door was just brilliant. It was such a small detail, but when I watched him do it, I was just like, bravissimo, you know, <laughs> because it's just he's managing the amount of information that he has to process at Mm -hmm. one time Mm -hmm. yeah now i don't know what his sensitivity setting is but you can tell by the way that he looks around that he has a very high mouse sensitivity Mm. uh and and is somehow able to maintain accuracy Mm -hmm. and i think it it was cool to see him leveraging that in close quarters because in close quarters basically you're always thinking what's behind you and you're, you're kind of you're not narrowing down your focus to like say a 20 degree angle literally you're thinking about every angle around you mm-hmm. and so seeing him um use that to turn quickly and to be looking at the most relevant spot around him at any given moment um is is pretty cool i actually recommend a, a higher sensitivity for this game i think that it's not very conventional wisdom a lot of people i play with and even people like fuglet play on a pretty modest sensitivity I just find that kind of surprising. I think that learning to play at a high sensitivity definitely has some strong advantages, but it's it's harder to control too. I think it's it's very personal preference. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. There's a lot of conventional wisdom that says that you should learn at a low sensitivity because it gives you more precision, but it definitely means that you have to move your arm more. Mm-hmm. And I do get the impression that Shroud's sensitivity is a little higher than some people's, but I don't actually know. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that for I, sure. I could almost guarantee it. Just mm. yeah, mm-hmm. um, you can see he. I can't remember what video it was, but I think he was doing a full three sixty just to like practice his his calibration of mm-hmm. his mouse movements. Mm-hmm. And he would just swipe and try to land in the same spot each time, and mm. he was surprisingly good at it. Um, <laughs> and so 
you can tell he knows exactly how much he needs to move his mouse to be looking at any particular point. Right. Which I think is, it's 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 hard to overstate the value of that. Yeah. And the value of um, playing with a consistent sensitivity across games. And it, it's something I actually would like to look into a little bit more in terms of, like I play other games and I'd love to, and there's techniques that are pretty easy to do to make sure you're, basically whenever you move your mouse in one game versus another that you're always turning the same amount say Mm. 90 degrees cool right yeah and so this of course is really valuable because otherwise you're having to you're basically untraining your hand every time you switch games and you switch different to a different sensitivity Mm. you're confusing your brain about what your hand has to do to achieve the same effect and so making that consistent which just takes probably i'd say it would take 10 or 15 minutes total between two or three games is is super worth it but maybe i I think we should cover that at some point um there's good youtube videos on it too yeah so yeah i'm i'm sure this has application for the xbox too very similar thing where like you're trying to Mm. get your controller settings you know your dead zone totally and sensitivity and aim aim correction whatever you're trying to get those as close to each other as you can Mm-hmm. for the same reasons. So, okay, so so back to the game here. Now, Shroud's kind of, you know, after this, like, Western shootout in which he basically downs, like, nine people in a row in Picado. It's clear that he's done there for the moment. There's, he's kind of looted everyone that he's killed and he finds a vehicle and he just starts kind of driving what looks like semi-aimlessly into the circle and uh, a package drops. So he goes for it and he finds it, but then it has already been hit and someone starts shooting at him. So, you know, because he's a big dick streamer, he doesn't just drive away, but he, you know, he drives away a modest distance and then he doubles back around and he gets in an encounter. What I liked about this encounter here was that I just thought it was kind of a very textbook example of how to do like mid-distance sniping Mm. in this game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a few of the things I noticed were... Uh, he he displays Robin a, a trait that you've highlighted a lot, which is he peeks and takes the quickest shot that he can, and then he unpeaks. Right. And it's really obvious that he's not trying to kill someone in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. I think this is it's the single maybe most important gunplay tactic. I've seen that pros do and that beginners don't. Mm. Or mm-hmm. and not even I won't even say beginners. I know people who game a lot. Yeah, like um, me. <laughs> yeah. Who game a lot and are just too bloodthirsty and kind of like I would say even maybe not in control or fully aware of their tactics to to fo- like to realize that they're doing this and mm. and remaining peaked and shooting for too long before um, protecting themselves and taking cover. Um, I'm probably being a dead horse with this point because I, th- I know I brought it up a couple of times, as you said, mm. but I think it's it's one of the easiest ways to improve um, at this game and mm. to live longer is is to be really conservative about the amount that you expose yourself during a gun battle. Yeah. Um, even if you miss, he missed a lot of shots in this battle. He did. Right? Yep. 
Yeah, and he heals at least once, if not twice, mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really clear, you know, they're both really skilled. He he compliments the player for landing a really good shot, mm-hmm. and so it's clear that they're, they're two very skilled players. And it's definitely like a war of attrition gunfight that they're having. And it's it's also just really clear to me that they both respect the other player and know that if they hold one position for too long, they're just going to be dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like this. And he also, he moves around, he changes his position. Like, he doesn't do pull a wide flank or anything like that, but he tries to vary his position enough to keep his opponent guessing. Right. Yeah. Right. And then this guy, he ends up getting killed by another player. <laughs> right. His, the, his opponent here. And so that's really the end of the lesson. He ends up shooting the other guy in the back. But yeah, you're right. It was cool to see, like, the, the kind of respect that he had for this other player and that that made him very careful doing that like peak single shot um, technique, which we've seen Shroud take to like extremes. Like one of the most famous clips of him is him using um, a mini 14 in Erangel and he's peaking a rock on alternate sides. I'd say more than once a second and taking shots at a guy at like 250 meters away. <laughs> and I think he's ADSing separately each time. Wow. So you're just watching this like really ridiculous, like frenetic, not frenetic, frenetic, um, <laughs> <laughs> like sequence of aiming and yeah. dodging, which I think he's just kind of, it seemed like he was almost experimenting when he was doing it. But mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. Pretty, it's kind of signature for him from what I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, very very antsy. I just like mm-hmm. I've noticed about him. He seems when you watch him play, he looks restless, and I think it's one of the reasons he's so hard to fight is because it's just really difficult to land a shot on him. Mm-hmm. He's like he's like bobbing and weaving and leaning and crouching and standing and jumping and it's just like mm-hmm. it's yeah. I mean, he's he's like doing a like an Agent Smith impression from the Matrix. Totally, or something, it, it's know? clear that not getting shot is as important to him as, as landing a shot. Yes. So I think that that's like an important point that it could be easy to overlook because mm-hmm. I think it's a lot easier to see the shots he's landing and to be like, "Wow, that was amazing aim." Mm-hmm. And it's less easy to see like, "Wow, he got in so many encounters and he got hit so few times." Right. And again, it's not we can't really like break this down for you, but I think it's just a really excellent example of how it's easy to miss a lot of what's actually happening in the fight that makes him survive and makes the other person die. Mm-hmm. You know, since we're here, I think there's another observation to make here, which is that, and there's another point in this video where he does this vertical, like quick peeking method, um, mm. basically by he's in a crouch position behind cover, and then he'll pop up and shoot and then crouch again. And I think that it's a lot easier to alternate between being exposed and, and being hidden in a vertic- when you're doing it vertically as opposed to horizontally. Mm, so good point. horizontally peaking a corner uh, has problems, which is it's, it's a lot harder to do quickly. And one of the reasons is it's, it's, I think it's easier to hit um, edges if you're close to them um, with your right. gun, if you're doing a conservative peak. Yeah. And... They also they just seem to expose more of you. You're either like partially strafing, and or if you you could do a full on strafe peak, or you're probably doing a combination of strafing and leaning. And they just seem less effective to me. It, it feels more vulnerable. You're exposing more of your body, and it takes longer to do. Yeah. Um, 
And so given the choice, try to find a, a place where you can vertically um, alternate between cover and and like taking the shot. So yeah. After a few minutes of looting, he gets into a long-range sniping battle at about 18 minutes. And again, I, I thought this was just a really good example of how he doesn't do anything particularly impressive in this fight. It kind of looks like a fight that any like skilled streamer might get in. He doesn't pull off any crazy snap headshots or, you know, just there's nothing super spectacular going on. He misses a lot of shots. But it's just another example of how he plays out a like two minute encounter with someone and he does a really good job of he just he doesn't give ground. He doesn't expose himself to unnecessary weaknesses. He's constantly doing something productive in this fight to give himself the advantage. And so that's something that I really took away from this video as well, is that I feel like all of the really good players that I've seen playing this game, they're constantly looking for a way to leverage whatever's around them to give them an advantage. Mm -hmm. And so in this fight, what happens is he starts to take fire, he returns some fire, and he lands some shots, and he manages to push this person back into cover. And rather than taking the cover he has available to him, which is like a small shit shack, he, I think, correctly identifies that it's just not going to be that great of a position for him to be in. And I actually think part of the reason, Robin, is what you were talking about, is that it's this kind of small and only horizontal cover. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you can't do that much with it. Mm -hmm. So while this player is hiding and healing... Shroud's pushing up and he's not, you know, he's not running blindly, of course. He's keeping an eye on this person to make sure he might need to lay down some more suppressive fire. But he runs quite far and he manages to take a hill and get into high ground and position himself. So by the time this other player is kind of healed up and ready to go again, Shroud has done a pretty wide flank and he's put himself in a much better position. Mm-hmm. This play, you know, he just trades a lot of bullets with this guy. He actually takes a headshot and almost dies. He he gives some really good training. Like, he talks through this fight really well, so I would encourage you to actually listen to him while he's fighting. But one of the things I've noticed he's doing in this fight is that he's just taking really speculative shots at places that he thinks this player is going to peak. Mm-hmm. And on at least one occasion, he like lands a shot that looks magical. Like, how could he have known that guy? And he didn't. But he just made a smart choice about where the person might be, and he just took a shot. Right. Now, if I was going to make a montage of, of clips that were evidence for Shroud being a cheater, I would have cherry-picked that one. Even though he took like 30 different shots <laughs> in this battle that were right. like pre-fire speculative shots, um, this would have been the one that would have made the montage. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's true. He like he shoots so many bullets at this guy that never go anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, but he's, again, he's just kind of weighing... He's weighing like, well, this guy's going to peak eventually and I'm going to hit him eventually. So mm -hmm. he, he also gives a brief lesson on why you change to your rifle when you land a headshot on someone. And it's, it's because you almost always will take their helmet off with the first shot, especially if you're using a, a sniper. Mm -hmm. And so the bullet speed and the accuracy and the rapidity of your shots is usually much higher on your rifle. Mm -hmm. And so after this guy takes his helmet off, he's, he switches to his rifle 
to finish Shroud off, and Shroud gives him props for that. Mm, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, moving on, um, at 20 minutes, he does a really good job of remembering. Like, he goes to two different dead bodies that are, like, hundreds of meters away from each other <laughs> to retrieve loot that he's going to need, you know, while he gets from point A to point B, which is a kind of diligence I'm not really used to seeing. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it's just another example of how you can get an edge. Yeah. Like he mo- he went back for a better helmet, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He actually switches, and he he gives a little lesson on this. So you know he explains it in his own shroud way. But he basically tells you that you should always trade up a helmet in the game, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. And the the basic premise of it is that most helmets except for maybe a level three helmet can only take one hit from something anyway mm-hmm. uh, before they're pretty fucked mm-hmm. from a, a sniper yeah right exactly so um or, or actually really it's not that they they can only take one hit it's that you're dead in one hit right if you get headshotted with a powerful sniper with a level one or a level two right mm-hmm. yeah and and so basically what shroud's saying is that the second hit doesn't matter because if someone lands two headshots on you with pretty much any helmet, you're mm. going to die, mm-hmm. right? So that's the point that he's making. So just to give you guys a quick breakdown of this, what this means is that the armor in the game lowers the amount of damage that you take when you get hit in that armor. And so it's not just that armor has HP. Like, you'll notice that level 2 does have more HP than level 1, and level 3 has more than level 2. But the biggest difference is that the the higher the armor is, the less damage you take per hit. Mm-hmm. And so with body armor, it's harder to tell when you should take a higher piece of armor because mm-hmm. you're likely to take a number of hits to the body, and the durability of that armor might actually come into question. Right. Yeah, it, it plays a bigger role, for it sure. Does. Yep. It does, but because you can take so few headshots, mm-hmm. it's basically always beneficial. You want that first headshot to not kill you. Right, and just some of our listeners might not know this, but if you pick up a level 3 helmet that has 1% HP left on it, that will still save your life. It'll do whatever protection that that armor offers. For example, with the level 3 helmet, I believe it's 55% less damage is what that bullet's going to do to you. If that helmet only has 1% health left, it will do its full 55% blocking damage, and then, of course, the helmet will be destroyed. Right. Right? But it'll prevent that damage being done to you just as much as a 100% helmet would. It just doesn't last as long. Right. Yep. PUBG 101, as Mm -hmm. Shroud puts it. Yes. I noticed that even later in the game... Like, he he gets lucky and runs someone over with a motorcycle and explains that if he hadn't had his level 3 helmet, he would have died. Mm. And But even at 24 minutes and 30 seconds, he's still looting because he's trying to find better or undamaged armor. Mm -hmm. And I I just like this. It's like he's, he's always looking for something productive to do. And... It's, you know, it's not, he's not camping. He's not being a coward. He's just, th- this is a, a really important part of this game to know about is that as you get later into the game, there's less and less likelihood of finding good armor. And hmm. if you down someone else, you can't necessarily take their armor because you just fucked it up. 
right? right? So the question of who has the best armor becomes really crucial yeah. late in the game. I think that's why I'm going to like up spend $1,000 upgrading my graphics, man. Is, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like I notice these pros, and maybe they're just more perceptive than me, but they can see what kind of armor people have in an instant yeah. at a pretty good distance. And then f- from that pr- information, they're able to decide, am I going to aim for the chest or for the head? Yeah. Because um, they're thinking... Basically, they're always when they when they're looking for people, they're thinking this person is a potential source for an armor upgrade for me. Yeah. So unless this person has full level three at full health, they're thinking, okay, I need, I only have a level two vest, I need a level three. Um, so if I see a guy with a level three, I'm going to aim for the head. Right. And then you see them like pull it off, and sometimes they'll make a mistake and and hit the wrong piece. But I love that pr- that precision <laughs> that goes into it. Right? It's not just like oh, just get the kill, which is how yeah. I think. Yeah, I'm always just like kill the guy. I don't care where I shoot. <laughs> I'm not right. thinking about that. Yeah. But it's amazing. I think once you once you're asking yourself that question, you have that question primed ahead of time. Yeah. What kind of armor does this opponent have? And you're ready to perceive it. You're gonna see it. Well, and it might make the difference, for example, if you have an angle on someone with a sniper rifle, especially a DMR, mm-hmm. it might make more sense to just try to down them in like three body shots, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to going for that juicy headshot. Like if they have a level three helmet, it might be in your interest to try to kill them via body shots. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, like at range, if someone hasn't seen you or if they're engaged with someone else, you might actually have the time to, to make that decision. next arjuna all right oh my so, gosh yeah 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 so we're getting close to the end of the game here so so now he's up on high ground and he's looking down into what is basically becoming the final circle mm-hmm. and the big picture thing that stood out to me for the end of this match was how well he identified his priorities and i think it's very easy in the end game to to get tunnely to basically focus too much on the wrong things Mm-hmm. And the reason for this is because you usually have your highest concentration of players in the end game, except for maybe in the beginning of the game. But typically in the end game, you have like a bunch of players in a small amount of space and they're all quite well looted. And so it's it's typical for people to get into these modes where you're like, oh, I saw a player, I need to kill them. Or, you know, there's two people over there, I need to kill them both. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to lose track of the circle and end up dying. Right. So at at 26 minutes and 30 seconds, he's engaged in this fight with an opponent who's like in a disadvantageous position. It looks like he could probably win it if he wanted to, Mm -hmm. but he just bounces out of there. He's like mid fight. He's just like, I need to go. Yep. He didn't really make a big deal out of it either. I was kind of like surprised, like, oh, he's moving. Okay. Oh, yeah, look at the circle. Yeah, it was a good move. Like, <laughs> totally. <laughs> and it wasn't like he was late. It was just like he was right on time. Yeah. To to moving on that map, that circle awareness, I should say, is of course crucial to the game. Right. And I really think, like me, I think in that situation, I probably would have tunnel vision on that player. Oh, I, I was so ready for that. Yeah. That's exactly what I, the head game I was in watching was yeah. just like, all right, like, when's, he, when's that opponent going to peak so that Shroud can get the shot? <laughs> yeah. And Shroud's just over it. He's like, oh. Yeah. 
out of here. And he just continues to do that for the entire rest of the game, mm-hmm. where like he just bounces. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, you know, I could shoot that person, but I need to move. You know what I think is helpful here mm. is he doesn't talk through this, but I know the more successful circle navigations I've done, I'm keeping a mental clock of how long I have to be where I'm at before I should move. Mm, Yes. And I'm like constantly reminding myself of what that is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it could be 30 seconds. It could be 10 seconds, you know, and I'm just, I'm always trying to update that in my head and keeping track of it um, to, to just keep moving. So I'm not caught off guard. No, it's amazing. Like when you think about all the things you really need to, to keep at the front of your mind in this game to do Mm -hmm. well, Mm. it's no surprise that the game is hard yeah it's it's hard to juggle those balls successfully for mm-hmm. an entire like 35 minutes right mm-hmm. so just to be clear what you're saying robin is that you will you'll like look at the the blue and the white circle you'll make an estimation about how far how long it'll take for you to run mm-hmm. and then you're actually telling yourself like when the clock gets to this number of seconds i'm gonna need to move that would be an even better way to do it mm, but I'm, okay. I'm just literally giving myself a mental number in my head just as like a ballpark yeah. and not i'm actually haven't been correlating that to the clock because you really you only have the clock when you're between circle movement anyway right but that's still i think that's a good way to do it actually is it, you have to do a little more math though is the thing but right. if you're like oh i have 30 seconds and before I should move and the clock says 45 seconds and you know at the 15 second mark you should be moving and now and it, you also have to take into account not just the distance you have to cover and the the, the circles but what kind of terrain you're going to mm-hmm. have to cross mm-hmm. and if you're likely to end up in a gunfight during mm. that because obviously exactly. gunfights are going to take longer and so you want to give yourself that extra time so yeah exactly it's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons i advocate not being an edge hugger Mm -hmm. is that you might get it lined up perfectly and you might execute a beautiful circle hug but then you know if someone's in a well-established position you're gonna have to stop to fight them and then you might want to heal up before you keep going and so all this can change your calculus so i think it's a bad idea to assume that that you're okay just leaving at the last possible second Mm mm-hmm yeah, there's this part of the battle. So he's he's moving into the circle. The circle's actually getting pretty close to him at this point. And there's a guy, he spots a couple of people in the open that are both about 150 meters away. And he has a 4X on his M416 and he decides to try to take these guys out while they're running across an open field. And he stays on auto fire and his... He's got decent recoil control, but it's just really hard to stay on target at full auto at that distance. Yeah. And I kept expecting him to switch from fully auto to single fire to land these shots, which is what I see a lot of people do. Yeah, me too. To great success, typically. And he just never does it. He just continues to, like, spam Mm. these people with with auto fire and he lands very few of his shots while doing it Mm. and so this was one of the few points in the video where i'm watching him and i'm like i don't get it like yeah (laughs) i don't i don't i was kind of baffled that he stayed on full auto for that scene and and actually he's really good at single tap firing in full auto mode he is so he doesn't necessarily have to switch but he wasn't single tapping either Mm -hmm. so i don't know that's just something i noticed yeah the rationale that he gave for that he he noted it in the moment Mm. and the rationale he gave for it was that he had too many potential eyes on him and he couldn't stand still for any amount of time Mm. so i think what he was trying to do 
was this very kind of opportunistic, like, you know, I only have a second. I'm just going to try to send as many I bullets see. as I can downrange. Okay. That that kind of makes sense. Then. You know, but yeah. it's it's possible that he could have had better results by, like, just taking one shot, right? And then moving, and then another one shot moving. Uh-huh. Huh. Who knows? You know, I kind of get that, though. I Yeah. Maybe, maybe you know, mm-hmm. maybe if he went back and watched it, he'd be like, ah, oh, that wasn't the right thing well, to do. Well, I think in mm-hmm. hindsight, it's easy to do. But, you know, yeah. he's probably done that a lot, too. Yeah. where he does land, you know, instead of just one of the the five yeah. shots in the burst, he lands two, right? right. And that might have been enough. So, right. yeah. Yeah. He's kind of gambling on the burst. Yeah, there. it was it was an interesting choice that I think few players would have made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he was right. I think maybe it was his way of not... I think if he were on single, it, there's this temptation to <laughs> yes, really focus exactly. and hone in. Yeah. And while you're doing that, you're sitting sail and being a target. Right. And so this was maybe his way of being hasty. Yeah, he's gaming his own system, which is pretty impressive, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's good to know what you're a sucker for and to figure out ways to, to not do it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing I noticed is that he he keeps boosting and... It's just a thing that I notice a lot of pro players do that I notice a lot of other people don't do. I mean, partially because they kill a lot of people, so they get a lot of boosts. Mm-hmm. But I think pro players really acknowledge that there's a difference between being fully boosted versus not. And it, it makes you, when you're fully boosted, you run faster, you heal faster, and your recoil is reduced. Right. Yes. So, you know, it makes a lot of sense, especially at the end of the game where you're not going to have that much time to heal anyway. Mm-hmm. So you just use them, just boost up. Yeah, Fuglet is a great example. I feel like Fuglet is just like a fucking pill junkie, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, like, he'll get down to like 80% and then pop more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He'll like, he'll use a syringe and then like 30 seconds later he'll use a painkiller. Yeah, you know? which adds up. I think it is 30 seconds to get out of full boost, the mm. full boost bracket. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So, all right. Another thing that is really smart here in the end game is at around 28 minutes, 40 seconds, he does this thing where there are two entrenched players in buildings and he's out in the open. He's in a terrible position. And there's another player off to his left over the hill who could also be shooting him. Mm-hmm. So he's in the p- his position where he's like, it's literally not safe for me to take the time to bring my rifle up Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. instead of trying to again like this guy has godlike aim but he's too scared to bring his gun up and so what he's trying to do is he's doing all these evasive maneuvers and he's basically trying to get one of the players to kill the other one Mm -hmm. and He's, he's doing that by baiting them. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really excellent example of how he's identifying his best chance in this situation is to work one of the players against the other player. Yeah, it was cool the technique he was using to do this because he he's on a hillside, basically, that's facing this compound. And there's one person in the compound that has eyes on him. And I don't think Shroud even figures out where they're at. I certainly didn't. Mm, But he mm. knows that this person can see him and that they're shooting. It sounded like some kind of DMR Mm -hmm. at him. And so Shroud keeps exposing just enough of himself to be a tempting target, but not enough to be actually that vulnerable. So he's like running back and forth and crouching over this little um, kind of berm on the hillside. And so the person can see him bobbing up and down behind the the, the berm and 
they're just trying to land these shots. I don't. I think they might have landed one the whole time, if mm-hmm. even that, right? Yeah. And so he's just trying to get them to keep shooting so that the other person in the compound will flank them. And he's, like, begging the other player, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. flank them, flank them. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then eventually he's like, oh, fuck it. But then, yeah. but then actually, one player does pull a flank, mm-hmm. and he hears the gunfire, and that's when he runs in, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the crucial moment where he's like, he he's like, this is my best bet. It may not work out, but this is my best bet. Yeah. And again, it's just a really excellent example of using the entire situation to his advantage. Yeah. A uh, cool scene where he he breaches a house. One of them dies. So there's one in the compound, one on the hillside, and he's trying to figure out where this guy is in the house. And he he kind of deduces that the circle is literally going through the middle of the house at this point, and he's he checks all the parts of the house that he can without going outside the circle but there's one upstairs part that's kind of partitioned off that he can't see without walking into the the bernie part and he's like shit they must be up there in that part so he equips his mk14 puts it on full auto and then breaches the bedroom and of course the guy's there just waiting for him and shout downs him immediately but just one little note i notice here He's, he does a couple of these breaches where he walks into a room where he thinks there's somebody. And and one of them he strafes in, looking at where he thinks his target's going to be. And in, another, in this scene, he actually walks straight through the door and then turns toward where the opponent was. Mm. Um, I just It was just a small detail, but mm-hmm. I would have expected a strafe both times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious if there's like a methodology he uses. He seemed really hasty. Yeah, I think because he was outside the circle at this moment, so he was trying to walk right, he forward was just to be to, fast. Exactly. Yeah. So you bring up a good point, though, Robin, and it's this seems obvious to say, but in the middle of a tense situation, you might forget it. But you move a lot quicker when you're running forward versus strafing mm-hmm. left and right. Mm-hmm. You can really use this to your advantage in a firefight. Uh, like it's it's often it's happens a lot where you'll be in a fight with someone else and you're both trying to scope each other and you're kind of stepping left and right to to give yourself a little bit of movement make yourself harder to hit yeah but if you actually take a shot de-scope turn to the left or right and run in that direction right if you execute that smoothly enough it's a much quicker evasive action. Right. I think that is, it's actually perfect when you're in a car 98 battle. Yes. Right. Exactly. And it, this is one of those things I watched Shroud do that inspired me to want to watch a video of him. There's not really a great example of it in this video. Yeah. Where he uses that technique. He'll, he'll aim at someone, take a shot, and right when he's done with the shot, he doesn't wait to see like where the bullet lands or no. if he does damage. He descopes, turns, and then runs instead of strafing. Um, and he, he actually is probably doing a combination of like holding forward and strafing. Um, cause you can do that, right? Like you can do a diagonal thing Yeah. and like doing a half turn. Yeah. And so I, it's funny. It's, I wish I had a quick name for it, but it'd be like half turn diagonal dodge, you know, <laughs> as opposed to just a simple strafe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's all these little things where you'll be watching Shroud and you'll be like, damn, how does he get around so fast, right? Mm -hmm. He seems to just actually move faster than everyone else. And I think part of the reason is that he's exploiting all of these tiny little details to like consistently get the fastest movement that he can, Mm -hmm. which, which again, it's like when it's fluid, you don't notice all of those little incremental changes. Right. 
All right, so there's one person left in this game. Mm-hmm. The last kill wasn't particularly remarkable. I guess he did do a lot of cool movement. He did. Where this guy's hunkered down behind a car on the other side of the street, and th- that's the only cover this guy has any opportunity to get to. Yeah. So Shroud knows where this guy is going to be, but Shroud has the choice between three different little huts that he could be in, and so he keeps traversing them and taking different windows and different edges uh, to poke shots at this guy and he'll poke like one or two shots from one spot and then move and then take a couple more shots from a different spot obviously a good idea yeah <laughs> like it, whenever there's ample opportunity for different shooting positions that are near each other you should you know exploit the hell out of that and, and yeah. move as often as you can i think yeah. it's, it's one of the easiest ways not to get killed it's so true like you know switching from one window to the next switching rooms going downstairs going upstairs Mm -hmm. like these are all things that you can do it's just it gives your opponent more opportunities to make a mistake or look in the wrong way and you might just score an easy headshot Mm -hmm. so yeah because it's really easy just to aim at the last place where your opponent was and wait for them to peek again yeah that's the easiest shot in the world yeah. Even if they do a really brief peek, it, you're likely to land a shot if mm-hmm. someone keeps peeking the same spot. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of my main takeaways from this is be squirrely as hell. <laughs> like the more squirrely you can be, the better. Yeah. Yeah. It's It might even be worth like if you practice doing this, you're probably going to die more. Mm-hmm. But when you get the skill set, like you're just, you're going to be like grease lightning. Mm-hmm. And I think this game... There are so many different speeds you can travel at in this game that it's really possible to just outspeed your opponent. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, combination of like if you're running and they're crouching, you know, and if you're like spinning and they're leaning, you know, it's just like you can mm-hmm. you, you can find a lot of ways to just be moving that much faster than your opponent. Mm-hmm. He actually talks through his final encounter in the video really succinctly. So I won't try to explain it in too much detail. But he finds himself in this position where the circle's going to push him in and he actually has to push out into the open. So his opponent has the better position. And the way that he navigates this is he's like, he's like, give me one shot. I need one shot on this guy. And the reason for that is that he he knows that he might be like a bullet or more down in the exchange if he runs out because the other person has better cover. Mm-hmm. And so he he just needs to get them down low enough that he can keep them suppressed so he can move through the space. Mm-hmm. And it's just, again, it's like a, it's the kind of thing that I wouldn't have thought about. But he's like strategizing, like, you know, how do I keep this person suppressed? How do I keep them afraid? How do I keep them weak so that when I'm weak, I can leverage their weakness? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's it's so next level, dude. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, he kept telling the guy, like, just hide, don't peek. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's all you have to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The guy actually did a pretty good job to he his credit of hiding. Yeah. I mean, because what was his alternative? His, he could have stayed prone behind the cover. Right. And waited for a shroud to come around the car. Yeah. But who wants to be prone behind a car when someone walks up to you at close range with an MK14 on full auto? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's good point. Good point. It's just, what do you do? What do you yeah. do with your plague shroud? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How? Yeah. How do you want to be one shroud? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm glad I wasn't that guy. Yeah. 
So anyway, cool. I, yeah, thank you guys for joining us. I hope that that translated. Definitely, you know, give us some feedback. Yeah, about, I would like feedback on this for sure. Because yeah. it's kind of an experiment for us. Mm-hmm. We usually do a thematic episode where we talk about ta- like a particular type of tactic or gameplay or just some mechanic of the game. And this was an opportunity for us to traverse a lot of different topics um, kind of through that the lens of just watching a, another good player. And so we hope that that came through. Yeah. So yeah, let us know, you know, if did you like this episode? Do you want more like this? We've also kicked the idea around about actually like doing a watch along video where we would actually record a video of us commentating this as it's happening in real time. Mm-hmm. So that's just another idea that we're kicking around. Mm-hmm. So Robin, you're going to be traveling, right? I'm out of Oregon for three weeks. Yeah. My good buddy Dan is getting married, or he got married, and we're going to oh, nice. celebrate. So, Oh, rad. Yeah. This means uh, we're going to be modifying our custom game schedule, maybe, a little bit. Um, we're still going to be next week. I'll be hosting games Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Robin mm-hmm. may or may not be able to do Monday. Yeah. Is that right? That's right. I, my host is awesome, and he actually... Um, there's another computer in his house that I should be able to use while I'm out there. Uh, I'm just not sure how often and how much I, I'm planning. I'm trying to get, I'm, I'd like to be able to do um, custom games at least once a week as a host. And so I'm going to try to do it this next Monday and I might not be able to, but I'll try to keep you guys posted on that. Yeah. So the yeah, Discord. We'll, so we'll keep you updated and Robin will miss you in the flesh, but glad you're visiting the homeland or at least close to it. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm, I'm happy to get out of town. Um, and I should still be able to do plenty of gaming out there. So Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, y'all. Uh, if you want to join our custom games, you can do so by getting in on our Discord. And the link to that is in the show notes. Great place to be, growing all the time. And we have a subreddit you can hang out in if you prefer that. We also have a Patreon if you're feeling generous with those pennies. You can throw them our way. And uh, you can always email us at winnerpodcast at gmail.com. And Robin, who did the music at the beginning and end of this episode? That is the Gazelles, and you can find them in our show notes. Yeah, thanks, Gazelles. Always rocking the podcast. All right, we will look forward to catching you next week. All right, ciao, guys. Ciao, guys.